Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see, the runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you? I'm terrific. You and I have talked a lot lately. Yes. Yeah, it's been a busy week, a good week. Uh, and now we're just a week away from the NFL draft, which we're all looking forward to. Uh, we've had John Moore on to talk wide receivers. We kind of talked uh, a little bit of everything with Elliot Christ. And now we have the man known for his his running back metric and, and scouting these running backs. We've got Graham Barfield from Fantasy Guru. Uh, Graham, how are you? I'm very well. This is the second straight year we've done this show. And we were actually wrapping a little bit before about uh, what we talked about last year and doing the – we did a draft and we'll do another one. And and uh, we both – all three of us had some nice picks and some not, no, not so nice picks on that last <laughs> year. So. Well, Graham, oh. Graham, Graham. <laughs> we weren't supposed to talk about this, but since you mentioned it, I think now we have to <laughs> – so last year we had you on, of course, to talk running backs and, and, you know, kudos to you. You were high on Kareem Hunt. You had good things to say about Alvin Kamara. Uh, I'll just, I'll just admit my draft. This was a running back only draft, a little bit of a wrinkle since we had you on last year. I took Christian McCaffrey at three at six. I took Samaje P Ryan. Terrible. I took Jeremy McNichols and Marlon Mack. So I don't want to, uh, I don't want to relive those results. We'll we'll get into uh, the but, class but of twenty eighteen. Before we do, some notables from that draft was Graham sure. Dalvin Cook first overall. Pretty right. gutsy move. Pretty gutsy move, and I bet he's not unhappy about that right now. And Williamson snabbed Kamara at five, which wasn't too yeah, shabby. That's that's the steal of that draft right there. Let's not pass that up. I was I was overlooking that actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I made a good pick in that draft. Mixon went fourth. Kamara, P. Ryan, Hunt. That's a great pick, obviously, by Graham, Foreman, McNichols, Connor, Jamal Williams, and Marlon Mack. So uh, a few of these running backs who were uh, who were notable and now have some dynasty value did not even get chosen, uh, which which is kind of interesting. Just shows the depth of that class. And we've heard from guys like Matt Waldman that this class is even better. And we'll just start with that, Graham. Do you think this class is better than last year's? No, and you know, no disrespect to Matt Wallman. I don't think sure. it's particularly close either. Um, I think the top of this class is very strong, of course, with Barkley, Geis, uh, the Georgia backs, and Penny. Um, but frankly, I, I just struggle. I've struggled with the depth of this class. I don't think it's as mm. nearly as strong. I don't think that there are as many receiving backs um, depth-wise that were in the 2017 class. There's a bunch of guys in the class, too, that we'll get to the struggle and pass protection coming out, which isn't totally um, abnormal, but uh, we'll get to that, too. I just I think 
last year was kind of an, an anomaly, right? Like even guys like Aaron Jones that we didn't even get to touch on him last year's show, you know, had some fantasy relevance this year. I just don't see as many um, potential fantasy impact players in this class. Does the lack of overall passing game skills concern you a little bit? That's my, that's actually my primary concern. Okay. Right. So Saquon Barkley, and we'll get to my guy in this class, John Kelly, Outside of those two, I mean, there really haven't, there really aren't that many consistent producers receiving wise in this class. And that is very concerning to me. It's really funny because I think if you're, uh, if you're just a casual college football fan or, or if you're just someone who focuses on the NFL and then you kind of dig in around January to start learning about these, pro, uh, these prospects, you've got guys who look like they would be good pass catchers. You know, they've got the, they've got the frame, they've got the build, or maybe they, they run a, a good 40. I mean, Ronald Jones comes to mind. Sonny Michelle comes to mind. But whether it's opportunity or or just a, a lack of skill or maybe mm-hmm. some type of uh, issue there, those guys at least haven't proven yet that they can be good pass catchers. Yeah, and that's not to say that they will never become like Ronald Jones, Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb. It's not to say they can't ever become plus uh, pluses in the pass game, be it either as a you know, as a uh, pass catcher or a blocker, I'm just saying coming out, at least there aren't just so many like firm winners as pass catchers, like Alvin Kamara last year, everyone had concerns about how he was used, but we, we knew for sure he was a great pass catcher. Christian McCaffrey was the same way. People were concerned a little bit about his inside running. He was a little bit undersized, but we knew for sure he was a good pass catcher. To me, there just aren't, those guys are kind of few and aren't few and far between in this class. All right. Well, let's let's take a step back here. Uh, again, yards created is the metric that you have created and, and the one we'll talk about a lot today. It's been around now for three or four years, I guess. And I know you've you've kind of made the rounds over the past couple of weeks talking about it as your work has been released here heading up to the draft. So for the, the few people who maybe aren't familiar, just give us a quick um, synopsis of what is yards created. Sure. In short, Yards Created is a charting process, uh, you're right, that I started three years ago. And it just measures the difference between the amount of yardage the offensive line blocks for and what the running back creates on his own. Um, So instead of using like yards per carry, which isn't that great of a stat and isn't very predictive of skill um, in the NFL or in college football, Yards Created just accounts for the amount of yardage a running back should be attributed after the offensive line has or has not done its job. Graham, I want to commend you on one thing you did because it's been a pet peeve of mine for, I've been doing this 20 years now, about 15 of them, it's driving me crazy, is I don't care how many people are in the box. I care about the advantage that the offense or defense has in terms of blockers. If there's eight in the box, but it's short yardage and I got nine blockers, what's the difference? It's not the same as if there's eight in the box and you got you know spread formation with four receivers. Yeah, so something different that I added to the yards created process this year was the stack box rates. And I think it's become a big hit, uh, like you mentioned. So I, I kind of define a stack box as if the offense lines up in 11 personnel, that's six blockers with one tight end on the line of scrimmage. The defense there li- therefore lines up in 4-3 with four defensive linemen and three linebackers. Um, the running back is facing a stack box. There's one extra defender in that in, in that particular play. And I split it out by yards created per attempt for stack boxes uh, versus neutral or plus boxes. I uh, also started charting personnel groupings, which is pretty cool, too, and trying to uh, further translate that into the NFL. And 
and yeah, it's just it's just another added feature that um, you can read for free on fantasyguru.com. I include it in all of my analysis, and the raw data is actually free on fantasyguru.com for everyone to check out. Graham, let's get into some of these players, and, and no surprise at the top, Saquon Barkley is your number one ranked player. I'm just wondering what you might identify as Barkley's areas of improvement, areas of need uh, as he is set to enter the NFL. Well, everyone knows about the receiving ability. Everyone knows about, you know, he's a highly creative runner. I wrote about that in, in, in detail, both in my profile of him on, on the site and um, in my rankings column. But I think the one big thing that everyone kind of comes back to, or the one knock, um, I guess it's kind of twofold. First being that he struggles to see things in between the tackles. And second, um, secondly, and it's kind of an aside to that, that there's been a, there was a lot of a negative plays with Barkley. And I can answer the first question um, unequivocally. I don't think Saquon Barkley struggles to run inside. In fact, I think Penn State's offensive line was just really, really poor. Um, in terms of yards blocked per attempt, Penn State's offensive line opened up the fewest in yards created history over the last three years. So over the last three years, Penn State's interior offensive line is the worst in yards created, uh, or excuse me, in yards blocked. And secondly, this is kind of just a trivial thing. Like Saquon Barkley did have a, quite a few negative plays for a running back of his cali- caliber, but you, to me, and this is just my philosophy, you live with those plays because he does so many excellent things in terms of forcing missed tackles, creating on his own. He's an excellent receiver. You just kind of live with the negative plays and you, you just profit off the positives. It's a Barry Sanders effect. Yeah, essentially. I mean, That's- Barry Sanders is a phenomenal player, but Barkley is too, and he's 235 pounds. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, is like Saquon Barkley's 235 pounds. What, who's to say that when he gets to the NFL, that some of those negative plays get coached out of him? I mean, he's, he can be a power player just because he's, I mean, like you mentioned, he's huge for his size. Graham, if you're looking at the, the current running backs in the NFL and, and the, the ones that are at the top of dynasty rankings, of course, David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, guys like that, and many members of that 2017 class that we talked about, where would you slot Barkley? Are, are you putting him near the top? Or are you putting him even ahead of some of these guys? Well, of course, we're doing the show before we get landing spots and before the draft. But even before the draft, I think I would have uh, DJ one, Bell at two. And then I feel pretty comfortable having Barkley and Zeke at like 3A and 3B. I know that's kind of a cop out, but I just think Barkley's receiving floor is so high regardless of wherever he goes in the NFL draft, he has such a high floor as a receiver that I think it can really elevate his game, even if he goes to a poor offensive line. Ryan, it's funny you brought that up because I just brought my list up, which you can find at williamsonfootball.com. And I'm curious what you think about it, Ryan. I have my running back list in front of me, and mine goes Gurley, Elliott, David Johnson, Kamara, Bell. And I think I would have Barkley four. Barkley versus Kamara is tough for me at this point. Sorry, too. I forgot Gurley. I, I, that was a mental lapse. So Gurley would be three, and then I'd have Zeke 4A and, and Barkley um, 4B, if you will. So okay. sorry. I, I, I don't know why Gurley slipped my mind. He just had an amazing season. But You, you know. apparently like Bell more than I do, and Kamara versus Barkley would be tough for me, but I think I'd have Barkley as my fourth running back. So if you – I actually haven't included rookies in my dynasty rankings yet. We'll do that DLF next Thursday when we have the uh, – when the NFL draft takes place. But if you look at our ADP, which does include rookies, you've got Gurley as the running back one, Elliott as the running back two, Bell three, and Saquon Barkley as the running back four. And he's he's being drafted as a first rounder in dynasty startup drafts. So mm-hmm. obviously and, and certainly already 
very highly valued in, in those leagues in that format. Uh, I guess a little bit of a surprise, Graham, with your second-ranked guy. Uh, seems most people, at least in, in fantasy football circles and dynasty circles, have Darius Geis at that two spot. For you, it's Sony Michelle. And we've heard just simply because they uh, go to the same school, they've uh, they've been compared to each other all along, Michelle and Nick Chubb. And I think a lot of people would also prefer Chubb over Michelle as well. What is it that gives uh, Michelle the advantage in your data and in your analysis? Sure. I mentioned this in my rankings piece on fantasyguru.com. I think all three of these guys after Barkley, Geis, Michelle, and Chubb can be frankly ranked in any order. It just kind of comes down to personal preference and um, you know, kind of where you see them fitting. Um, and I think it'll also change after we do get landing spots and see how early these guys go in the NFL draft. But with that said, uh, Sony Michelle possesses like kind of a rare trifecta of speed, power, and elusiveness. Um, I think he's kind of pigeonholed as just a speed kind of uh, straight line guy. That's not the case. Uh, he forced at least one missed tackle from 46% of his carries for an 82nd percentile score in terms of missed tackle forced per attempt and yards over the last three years for yards created. Um, and even though Georgia's offensive line was top notch, their first in yards blocked per attempt over the last three years, Michelle routinely created on his own. Um, he's second only to Joe Mixon in the percentage of carries to create five or more yards over the last three years. Um, of course, I think everyone kind of comes back to, and this is something I'll, I'll keep harping on as we go on uh, in the show is, um, Michelle at least has a small sample, um, in namely in 2014 and two, or excuse me, 2015, 2016, where he produced as a receiver. Um, of course, last year only caught nine balls in 14 games, but he was sharing time with Nick Chubb another back. We'll eventually get to in the coming years and Deandre Swift. Um, but at least he has a small sample of receiving production and he's the second best over the last three years in terms of pass per execution. So you get a runner who created on his own routinely, forced a bunch of mixed, missed tackles through speed, power, and elusiveness, at least has a small sample of receiving production and efficiency as a receiver, and he's an awesome pass protector. To me, Sony Michelle has the third, has the second best odds behind Barkley in the class to be a three-down hammer back early on for fantasy leagues. Yeah, Graham, a quick question for you. Actually, two-part. I've heard some compare him to Kamara, and I think that's just rich. I, don't think, I just think Kamara's more talented. I, you also brought up Joe Mixon, and I just wanted to mention it now because I read your article and I followed your work for a while, and you really raved about Mixon a year ago. I mean, if Mixon were in this group, would he clearly be number two for you ahead of Geis and Chubb and Michelle? Yes, Mixon would absolutely be number two. Um, and, and frankly, if we re-ranked these guys just as prospects – I would probably get to Sony Michelle around seven or eight. If you would combine these last two classes, I just thought okay. last year's crop was so strong, but going back to your, to your first question about Kamara, I don't think Kamara and Michelle are nearly close to being the same players. Um, Michelle was asked to be a sustaining runner at Georgia. 77% of his carries went in between the tackles, whereas Alvin Kamara was used more in space at Tennessee. Just 55% of his carries went in between the tackles as a volunteer to that point too, Kamara was a far more accomplished receiver, at least in his final year at Tennessee. Um, he averaged 3.3 receiving yards gained per route run and was split out as a receiver nearly 20% of the time. Sony Michelle was never split out as a ISO receiver or split out in the slot to run his routes. And he was a little bit below average in terms of receiving yards gained per route run. These are two totally different players that went in two totally different ways. And that's not to say that they're, you know, 
bad, you know, Sonny Michelle is good or Alvin Kamara is great, whatever the case may be, but they win in different ways. And I don't, I agree. I don't agree with the comparison at all. Graham, I forgot you were, you were a part of root Twitter. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a guy come to my mentions. I forgot his name, but he was like, uh, he's like, it's nice to hear an American pronounce it the right way. I don't know where I picked it up <laughs> because I'm, I mean, I've lived in America my entire life, but it's just one of those things I just picked up and I just never turned back, I guess. Oh, it's nice. Um, so you've got Darius guys as your third running back, which again, some may view as a knock R- reading your work. It actually kind of gave me some, I don't want to say hope because I, I have high expectations for guys, but maybe even higher expectations. You talk about the type of, um, I guess, uh, coverage or, or the, the defenses he saw and, and the, the amount of stacked box uh, formations that he faced. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm just thinking, and maybe this is too simplistic. If he lands in a balanced NFL offense, he, he could be a, a better NFL player than a college player. Is that, is that, simplifying it too much no and to your point lsu's offense just let's face it they are from the it's from the 1980s i mean they just haven't advanced their principles um to adapt to modern college football and modern football in general um but ls or excuse me darius guys dominated at lsu um he faced a stack box like you were mentioning which i account for as one or more extra defenders in the box Guys faced a stack box on 73% of his runs and still finished third in the class in raw yards created per attempt behind Saquon Barkley and Rashad Penny. So he was facing a ton of defensive pressure and still dominated. I mean, 73% of his carries, he faced at least one extra defender. The college the college average is, is about 53 55%. Saquon Barkley was near average. Rashad Penny was just slightly above average. SEC defenses with a lot of future NFL players too. Absolutely. Um, that That's for sure. Um to that point, Geist was also fifth in the class in missed tackles forced per opportunity behind Barkley, John Kelly, Nick Chubb, and Sony Michelle. Um, I was definitely a little bit surprised at how much wiggle Geist has in terms of his lateral elusiveness. I thought he might just be more of a straight-line power guy, but he definitely has a little bit of uh, a ballerina in him, if you will, um, sort of almost like Marshawn Lynch, who he's drawn a lot of comparisons to. Uh, people forget that Marshawn Lentz has awesome, awesome feet. He's not just a power back and doesn't try to run through people. He can make you miss with elusiveness too. My biggest concern, again, is it's going to come down to passing uh, passing downs with guys. Of course, he has a big excuse, like I mentioned, with LSU's offense. They just aren't designed to throw the ball to running backs. But guys kind of struggled as a pass protector, which was surprising to me given his frame. He allowed five pressures on 17 pass per attempts and averaged just one reception per game in his final year. But um, if he puts in some work as a pass protector and becomes, you know, just at least a neutral or slightly positive pass catcher. Yeah. Geis has an RB one profile, but at least coming out right now, I'm a little bit lower, maybe slightly lower on him than consensus just because of his receiving profile. But yeah, I mean, he's freaking awesome guy. He's just a fun player. Great. Good. Is he the kind of player who in, in a typical year might be, your RB one, or does the uh, the lack of, I guess, receiving skills knock him too much? Yeah, and this this comes back to kind of a philosophical question. You know, just because we haven't seen guys do it a lot doesn't mean he is a bad pass catcher. But the fact that we haven't seen him do it all that much does knock him down a little bit for me. As for rating him um, and ranking him compared to other classes, I think guys would clearly be in that higher end tier. But like I mentioned earlier, too, last year's class was so freaking loaded at the top. 
between all these guys, it's it's really hard to to, to say where exactly I would put them. So we're going to get to Chubb next. And a question I've asked a couple people are, you've said it, we, we haven't seen Geis or Chubb be real contributors as receivers. Which one do you have more faith that could do it or could develop into it? That's tough to say. Um, both I would good athletes, you know. Yeah, they're both. I mean, they're both really good athletes. I think I would give the the higher uh, probability to Chubb just because he's still so phenomenal as an athlete. I mean, guys, he he basically almost tore his leg off. Let's face it. I mean, he had nerve damage in his knee, and he's still like nearly a ninetieth percentile spark athlete. Like human beings should not be able to do that and recover that quickly from an injury. Am I am I crazy? Yeah, that's that's what I've been thinking about. It's really since the combine, since he, he was so impressive there, and and Barkley got a, a lot of the attention as he as he should. But Chubb's com- combine was not was not far behind, and I think that just gave everybody uh, the confidence that yeah, he is he is pretty much back, and uh, we're not going to try to put a percentage on it on as far as is he ninety percent of what he was pre injury, uh, but. I mean, it has to make you think that if he hadn't had that injury, he could just be right there, toe to toe with Barkley. Sure. And, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't know if he's 80, 90% back, whatever the case may be, but whatever he is, it's damn good because he finished the class third in terms of missed tackles, forced per opportunity. He was second in the class in yards created per attempt uh, from shotgun formations behind Saquon Barkley. Um, he was the only running back in the class to finish above average in terms of yards created per attempt out of both 10 and 11 personnel plus 12 and 21 personnel sets. To me, Nick Chubb has the highest rushing floor out of all of these guys in this class. And like I mentioned earlier, I think you can rate any of these guys, Michelle Chubb and guys in any type of um, ranking you want. Uh, just for me, I put Michelle a little bit higher just because we did see that small sample of receiving ability at Georgia and explosiveness as a receiver but Nick Chubb's rushing floor is so, so high. I just really struggle to see him failing uh, wherever he goes. Uh, we're getting into your third tier now, and this is uh, beginning this tier as a guy you already mentioned. Uh, I know you're a fan of John Kelly from Tennessee. Uh, it was it was kind of a disastrous season for the volunteers. It started out strong, but um, he had the the minor off field thing. And then they just, uh, they just struggled once really once they got into sec play. I'm, I'm actually not sure if they, they may have lost every sec game. It was, it was pretty rough for the volunteers, but um, uh, in your metric, Kelly, Kelly shined. He was one of the stars Uh, really same question that I had with Barkley. What do you see as his weaknesses? Because Mm -hmm. the, the review was, was so glowing. I guess I'd like to know what you would hope Kelly can improve on. I think the biggest overall concern is that he's a poor athlete for NFL standards as far as running back. He's an especially poor athlete at his weight. Um, but that's not to say that he's going to become a poor player. We've seen a number of backs in the past trump their poor combines, namely of the last couple of years. Let's not forget Alvin Kamara had a really poor combine at his weight. Um, wasn't an exceptional athlete. Kareem Hunt had a very bad combine. Dalvin Cook as well. The combine isn't everything. It's just kind of a standard for everyone uh, to go by. And by that standard, John Kelly was a poor athlete. But to me, that's where the um, that's where his weaknesses end. Uh, John Kelly is just a stone cold badass. He has <laughs> phenomenal contact balance and power. He forced at least one missed tackle 
on 54% of his opportunities. And just for kind of perspective on how excellent that is, that's fourth best in yards created over the last three years behind Barkley, Joe Mixon, and Kareem Hunt. Uh, John Kelly's awesome in between the tackles too. He's the third best runner in terms of raw yards created per attempt in between the tackles. And he's also one of the few good receivers in the class. He averaged uh, 3.4 receptions per game and averaged 6.5 receiving yards gained per route run. That's the second best figure over the last three years for yards created. Um, my, I guess going back to my original point, I, I'm concerned where John Kelly goes next week for the NFL draft, right? If he's a third round pick, I don't think it'll be very hard for him to kind of get in um, and, and, and earn opportunities early. But if he kind of falls in that fifth, sixth round range, yeah, it'll be really, it'll be really tough for him to kind of um, over, overcome the draft capital bias and, and get and earn those starter touches initially. But Overall, I love John Kelly's game. I talked about it on on previous shows that he's a guy whose value, dynasty value, seems to be all over the board. I've seen him drafted in the first round of some rookie mock drafts that I've done, and he's fallen to the fourth round in others. Um, of course, I think he's closer to that first round range at this point. His His ADP puts him in the early second round. Again, based on what we know now, where would you suggest – that dynasty owners draft John Kelly. Oh man. Um, this will go. I, I don't know if people roll their eyes when I say this, but, but John Kelly would probably be like the sixth or seventh overall player in this draft. I don't, I don't think this receiver class is any good. I don't think the running back class is very deep. Um, and I am very aggressive on the guys that I love. I don't think John Kelly will ever end up being the seventh or eighth pick in dynasty drafts. I and mean, it'll definitely be an overpay. Um, but just based on how I have the class ranked, and if you ask me to put a big board down, that's where he'd be. Your next guy is Richard Penny. Uh, of course, many dynasty players seem to value him really in the same tiers, uh, the Georgia backs, Chubb and, and Michelle. For you, he's a little bit lower than that. So what is it that keeps him out of that uh, second or third tier, however you want to view that? Yeah, I like Rashad Penny quite a bit, actually. Um, I know Pro Football Focus has been really pushing him as a, a great uh, after-contact runner, and that is true. But he also ran behind and ran through some monster freaking holes. I'm talking like you can run a truck through some of these holes that he ran behind um, at, at San Jose State. I mean, just just think about – and I'll put it into context. Just think about not only the competition that he faced, but his offensive line, the Aztecs' offensive line was fantastic. Rashad Penny's um, offensive line with the Aztecs opened up 1.6 yards blocked per attempt. Just for a kind of perspective on how great that is, the Georgia offensive line opened up nearly the same, 1.7 yards blocked per attempt. So for historical perspective, Penny ran behind an awesome offensive line. Now that's not to say Penny can't create on his own. He clearly can. Um, in fact, Penny was the only running back in the class to post above average yards created per attempt figures, both stacked and neutral fronts. Um, he's also the fifth best runner in between the tackles behind Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, and Ezekiel Elliott in that order over the last three years. So he was you know, very good against stacked boxes, strong against neutral fronts, good in between the tackles, um, fifth in the class in terms of missed tackles, forced for opportunity. But again, we come back to this final point about receiving ability. He only averaged 1.5 receptions per game in his final year, and he isn't a marginal pass protector, but he did allow three pressures on his 11 charted attempts, which is just slightly below average. Um, I like Rashad Penny quite a bit, but my biggest question is, was he a bigger product of running behind a great offensive line and running through huge holes? 
or is he really truly this creative running back that um, that you know the metrics kind of bear out? Graham, along those lines, you know, I watched Pumphrey last year and thought he's running through some huge holes too. He's as big as my right leg. <laughs> you know, That's the truth too. Yeah, can't Penny beat this guy out last year? I mean, I know he got drafted in the mid rounds, but yeah, I mean, he's. And that's something my guy Joe Dolan and I were talking about from Fantasy Guru. We were talking about this um, a couple of days ago. It's like, why, you know, Danelle Pumphrey is one of the most, in fact, I think he's like one of the most decorated college producers of all time. That's a great point. You know, why why couldn't Rashad Penny, who has prototypical running back size, whereas Danelle Pumphrey, let's face it, is very small. Um, you know, why couldn't he beat him out? It's a very good point. So let me give you this opportunity to talk about Harry's. I've talked about Harry's with you guys quite a bit they're a huge endorser of the show we appreciate it a great deal i urge you even hit pause on our podcast right now run to harrys.com slash dynasty and check it out so i've been telling you this story many times you know back in my football today time at espn they were a sponsor then and i got hooked and that was quite a while ago and every day i use harry's blades and their razor and i love their handle and my wife loves the smell of their gel and all that good stuff and i have very sensitive skin but because their blades are so good, I haven't had any problems. And I couldn't use a straight razor before Harry. So, I, you know, the, the founders were fed up with, pay, with overpaying for expensive razors and unnecessary features. They knew a great shave comes down to great blades, which is absolutely true. So they made with sharp, durable steel that lasts. And you get a lot of, a lot of uses out of these blades, too. That's why they bought a factory, and that's been making them some of the highest quality blades in the world now for over 95 years. They know what they're doing. By selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand. I used to spend like five bucks a blade. These are only $2 a blade and they last longer and they're better. Uh, If you don't love your shave, let let Harry's know within 30 days and they'll give you a full refund. So this is what you do. You get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, a weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, travel blade cover. All you got to do is redeem your trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know I I sent you to help support the show. Thanks a lot. Graham, the next player on your list is uh, Auburn's carry-on Johnson, and I think you did a great job describing his game at least what i saw when i watched him he he just seems pretty one-dimensional he was he was successful as that straight ahead between the tackles runner but i don't see you know maybe unlike michelle and chubb and and even ronald jones i don't really see that potential for him suddenly becoming a a pass catching uh back is that is that what you see with him yeah i think you totally nailed it um figuring out and evaluating where carry John, carry on Johnson wins was probably the easiest evaluation I've done. Uh, not only in this class, but over the last three years, I mean, it's just apparent, right. When you start charting him, uh, figure out what he does and what he doesn't do well. Um, just to start 88% of carry on Johnson's tackles went, or excuse me, attempts went in between the tackles. And he was the fourth best runner in the class uh, running in between the tackle on the yards created for attempt basis. Um, he also did a great job at avoiding negative plays. Uh, just 13% of his carries created zero yardage, which is the best rate in the class. Uh, but here's come here come the negatives. I think he's a little stiff. Um, I don't think he has much lateral agility. 
Um, and he doesn't have a ton of open field explosiveness. And that is kind of uh, bored out by his uh, poor missed tackle force per attempt that he, uh, he forced at least one missed tackle on just 27% of his opportunities. That was the fifth worst clip over the last three years. And you mentioned it. He's not all that plus of a receiver. He does have some uh, consistent production year over year at armored as a receiver, but I think he is one dimensional, but that one dimension um, can, you know, really be profitable for NFL team. And, and we've seen, um, you know, players have some sort of fantasy success, at least for a year or two, if they are one dimensional. He runs kind of high for my liking too. You know I mean? He, he's really lanky. You know, yeah. you get the feeling for that feeling of that too. He's really just lanky and kind of almost goofy. Yeah, I mean, he's a strange body type for a running back, and you better be pretty special if you're built like Eddie George, Derrick Henry. I mean, tall guys. I mean, that's, that's a rough way to, to make a living. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he ran a four five six at his pro day, which is not all that great for his weight and at his height. So, yeah, I think he's kind of just a one-dimensional player. He kind of is what he is. Next guy in your ranks is Ronald Jones, who who's really taken a beating from uh, seemingly the entire community, uh, both fantasy and and uh, you know draft Twitter, if you want to if you want to call it that. He screams he screams third down back to me uh, again, based on his frame, supposed speed, and and things like that. But he never really displayed the pass passing skills or the consistent speed to show that he can be successful as a third down back. I'm, I'm starting to wonder if he even has a role in the NFL. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was curious where the hype came from with Ronald Jones in the first place. Um, let's face it. He was a three-year producer at USC at over a thousand yards from scrimmage in three straight seasons at USC. Um, so he has good age adjusted production um, and he does have some speed, but of course, coming back to the combine where he hurt his, he hurt his hamstring and then maybe he had some lingering effects at his pro day, obviously didn't test that well athletically. And his yards created data was was really uh, pretty lackluster. Um, so from the top, we, we've got to note that USC's offensive line wasn't very good. Um, in fact, they're the third worst in terms of yards blocked per attempt in the class. But Jones really struggled to be a sustaining runner. Just 22% of his carries created five more yards. That was the wor- fourth worst figure in yards created history. Um, he finished with just a 42nd percentile score in terms of missed tackles forced per opportunity. And Ryan, you mentioned it. He averaged just uh, under one reception per game in his final two years as a Trojan, and his pass protection execution rate of 55% was the worst clip in yards created history over the last three seasons, or excuse me, the last three draft classes. To me, pinning where Jones wins is really, really hard. Outside of rushing off tackle where he kind of can run the daylight and things are clearly defined for him, I really struggle to see where Ronald Jones um, uh, showed himself as an above-average prospect um, coming out um, in all three phases of the game. Yeah, I mean, for where you're seeing them in mocks in the real world, if my team drafted Penny, Carrion Johnson, Ronald Jones, for where a lot of people are mocking him to be, I don't think I'm real excited about that. Right, and this this kind of comes back to the point I was making earlier or at the top of the show about the depth of this class. Mm-hmm. It's like once you get after – uh, the the Barkley, of course, and then Geis, Chubb, Michelle tier, you kind of just – it's just you're kind of throwing your hands up. There's like a, a few interesting names that do a few things well, like John Kelly is a really great receiver, and I think he's very underrated. But, you know, Rashad Penny has question marks. Ronald Jones has question marks. Um, it's just, it's just a, a class that I think is lacking in depth but is very, very good at the top. 
Graham, the last player in this tier is Royce Freeman. Uh, he seems to be getting a, a lot of hype, actually, at least uh, in the dynasty community. He's got some strong supporters there. Is he a guy you'd be willing to spend a first-round rookie pick on? Perhaps in the back half, depending on where he goes. Um, he was a huge producer, obviously, over four, uh, for over four years at Oregon. He had well over 6,400 drives from scrimmage in college, just monster, monster numbers at Oregon. Um, and, but he's one of those classic guys that he does everything okay, but he doesn't do one thing exceptionally well. Um, he's a four, uh, finished with a 45th percentile score in yards created per attempt as an inside runner, was just below that as an outside runner at 42nd percentile in yards created per attempt. Um, just a 24th percentile score in terms of missed, uh, missed tackles forced per attempt. Um, and what's concerning too is that Freeman didn't create more on his own considering Oregon's offensive line and their Really, their offensive scheme is conducive to big, big, uh, big numbers. Um, Oregon's O-line, in fact, was actually the third best in yards block per attempt over the last three years. Um, you know, I, I think Freeman is kind of like a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Um, he does everything OK, but he's not really exceptional at one thing. And, and that, can, that can get him snaps and that can get him on the field early on. But I just don't think he's in a, this exceptional exceptional. Um, awesome sleeper pick that he's being sold as, 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 as some like him. Seems like a number, a number two guy in the NFL. Yeah. And a very, I, I think, I think you're right. A very solid two who can yeah. come in and, and, and churn out some starts and churn out some fantasy stats when you need them. But I, I, I don't think he's this found can't miss foundation piece. Uh, Graham, the last four players that you charted as, as part of this process uh, through this off season and in this draft season, they fall into your best of the rest uh, category. Kalen Balaj, Bo Scarborough, Naheem Hines, and Mark Walton. Probably the player I'm most interested out of that foursome is Naheem Hines. He is he is the player I think a lot of people are looking at as maybe a Treat Cohen or, or even, even an Alvin Kamara as far as the, the pass-catching ability. What did you see with him? Yeah, no, I, I understand why people want to like Naheem Hines, right? Um He's an undersized back at 5'8", 196, um, but he really struggled to create on his own constantly um, behind a pretty underrated offensive line at NC State. Um, he finished with just a 42nd percentile score in raw yards created per attempt. He's actually the second worst over the last three years in terms of missed tackles forced per opportunity. Um, I think Heinz's inability to create and make defenders miss um, is a big, big concern. He did catch 89 balls across um, nearly 40 games at NC State. Some of those receptions came as a slot receiver. He was a converted receiver who came and played some running back in his final year. And he was also a very efficient kickoff return man. I just don't see Hines as a um, nearly close to an every down player. I think he could be a fun kind of project type Darren Sproles, Darren Sproles player, but he's not an every down potential player like Alvin Kamara is. It's just, I, I just don't see that at all. Is he close? Is he closer to Cohen? Do you think? See, I think Cohen, I think Cohen can be more of a sustaining runner. I just, I, I really, I think Hines really struggled to create on his own. And, and um, I mean, just, just 24% of his sampled carries went, um, went for five or more yards. That's well below average. I just, I just don't think he has enough sustaining runner type ability to, to um, garner anything more than maybe four or five carries in a game. At Walton, the NFL level, of course. Walton intrigues me a little, and I feel like some people might be sleeping on him and just dismissing him because he hasn't lit up the combine or anything like that lately. But, you know, I mean, how healthy is he? You know, I mean, I, that's a question I have is maybe his best is yet to come. Sure. His um his ankle injury, too, that he sustained against Florida State yeah. was 
it was really gruesome. I mean, he got bent backwards. Um, it was he couldn't walk off the field. I mean, he couldn't put any pressure on that on that leg. And it happened, I believe, in October of 2017. So he would have been what five six months removed from that injury at the combine, where, like you mentioned, he tested very poorly. One was definitely a workhorse for Miami when he was healthy. Um, he was actually second in the class in terms of routes run per game behind Saquon Barkley. Unfortunately, though, his miss, um, excuse me, his yards created data was really, really poor. Um, in fact, his uh, 0.164 missed tackles forced per rush is the worst in yards created history of the last three years. Um, I think Walton can, I mean, he's, he's kind of a lower end type of voice for him and he does everything okay. He was a workhorse at Miami um, and he can, you know, he can pass protect and produce on passing downs. But yeah, I just, I, kind of come back to maybe he has an- lingering ankle concerns. He's a marginal NFL athlete, even with perhaps his ankle being healthy. I- I've really struggled with Mark Walton. You're making me sour on this running back class. I know. I, I hate I hate coming in. What's <laughs> weird is I'm not a negative person. I'm, I'm actually a very positive person in every facet of my life. Um, but, but yeah, this, this running back class is um, – I don't think I expected to be on an island so much with this with this crop. I just don't see the hype that, that some people are after. And maybe it's because we're coming off of such a monster 2017 running back class that everyone is expecting these you know great things out of rookies early on. But you're convincing. All right, guys. Uh, as we have done on the past few shows, we'll wrap up with a rookie mock draft. I'm thinking maybe we should do the same thing as last year. I know we said we'd we'd go with with all players available. Maybe we should just mock the running backs. What do you think, Graham? I'm cool with that. We can stick to running backs. It's fine with me. So running backs only, um, and it, we'll we'll get a little deeper here than we have over these uh, past few drafts, and we'll let Matt have the first pick. Barkley. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take you for you to figure that out? That was tough. Yeah, that was a tough one. <laughs> All right, he'll go Barkley. I'll go Geis again, and we'll let Graham have his guy at three, I'm thinking. Yeah, it'll be Sony Michelle for me. All right, so so far it's pretty easy. Matt? This is really easy, too. The fourth pick's a great one here. I'll take Chubb. That's a good one, too. All right, so it starts to get a, a little interesting here. I'm going to stick with, with Rashard Penny as as my running back five. I think yeah, that, makes, that, that makes Graham happy as well. Yeah, that makes me happy too. I get my two guys in this class. I don't think this class is that deep at all. And I get my two two of my favorites I think are underrated in, in Sony Michelle. And I'll take my guy, John Kelly, here at six. All right, Matt. Now we're, we're really getting interesting. I know who you're going to take, I think. You know what? I've been, I always end up with damn Ronald Jones and all these ones that we do. <laughs> and I'm just bumping them. I, I just, I changed my rankings as we had this conversation. I'm tired of drafting him. I'm putting Royce Freeman slightly ahead of him. I'll take Freeman. Okay. Uh, you, you go Freeman there. This is, yeah, it's really drying up if you're not a Jones fan. I'm going to take on Johnson at the eight spot. Yeah, I guess that leaves me to Ronald Jones after I just bashed him at nine. So I'll, I'll take Ronald Jones. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crazy and take like Kalen Balaj or something here. I'll I'll stick with Jones. All right, Matt, the tenth pick, your last pick of these running backs. Yeah, I'll go with Walton. I still have kind of a hunch about him. All right, and uh, yeah, it's it's really ugly now. I think I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go pretty deep here, uh, at, at least bypassing even some of the players we talked about. I'm going to go with Justin Jackson from Northwestern. Have you gotten to see him? I know he wasn't among your your guys you you focused on. He's a Waldman guy, huh? 
Yeah, unfortunately, I, I just have so much time to do these, yeah, uh, to yeah. these the running backs that some of them slip through the cracks. Maybe I'll come back to them after the draft, depending on where he goes. But no, I didn't didn't get to chart Justin Jackson. Um, I'll take Bo Scarborough. I'm the last pick, right? Yep. So I'll take Scarborough just because, I I, I mean, he's such a freak in terms of his um, height, weight, speed. Um, and I think he could be a hammer under center. Just, I guess, the biggest questions for him is can he stay healthy? Because at Alabama in high school – He's not been able to stay healthy at any point in his career. All right. Well, hopefully these picks are better than my picks last year. We'll maybe we'll revisit this next year and see how these guys did in their in their rookie seasons. Uh, Graham, thanks for coming on today. We appreciate your time. Tell all our listeners where they can find your work. Sure, it's been a great time talking to you guys for the second straight year. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Graham Barfield. Find all of my yards created work on fantasyguru.com. I've got my full class breakdown with ranks. I've got my stack box and personnel groupings. Uh, full breakdown up on the site. Got some profiles for Saquon Barkley and Sona Michelle up. Also have a wrap-up uh, breakdown. Maybe do one or two more profiles after the draft. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. All Absolutely. right, thanks again. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.